0: Today we're continuing our series called Balancing Life's Demands. And as we began this series, we saw that there's different kinds of energy we need to meet the demands that we face each day. We need mental energy, we need spiritual energy. Last week, we considered our need for emotional energy. We talked about how to overcome emotional exhaustion. And today we're going to talk about another dimension of energy that we need to meet life's demands, physical energy. Now, how many of you would like to have more physical energy to meet the demands in your life. I think we all definitely would. And if you were to ask the question, well, how can I get more physical energy? Here's one of the most common answers that you would receive. You need to, to exercise. You need to get in a really good shape. That'll give you more energy. Well, here's some quotes that reveal how, how some people feel about that. Um, when people ask me if I exercise, I tell them I do crunches every day, especially Captain Crunch and Nestle's Crunch. Here, this is one of my favorite. I don't always go to the gym, but when I do, I make sure everyone on Facebook knows about it. Here's another. I have to exercise in the morning before my brain figures out what I'm doing. And here's the last. Every time I hear that dirty word, exercise, I wash my mouth out with chocolate. Now, this morning, we're going to consider this physical dimension of life. And here's the big idea. It's actually printed there on your Bible study outline. God made your body, and God wants you to honor him with your body. This involves having right attitudes about your body and taking right actions with your body. Now, here's an important question before we go any further. How many of you have a body? I want to make sure you're with me this morning, okay? So this message is for who? Who? Yeah, as for every single one of us, and I actually have some things that I'd like to say to our students this morning as well as we work through this message, but here's one of our our key verses this morning. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's really our starting point. The Apostle Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple? Now how many of you have ever heard that before, your body's a temple? It's a pretty common expression in, in our culture, but it comes from this verse in the Bible and it goes on to say, a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Now, Paul is writing to Christians. He says, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? With your body. And look at this verse written by King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, and here's why. For they are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole what? Body. The Bible has a lot to say about our bodies, and as we think about how we can honor God with our body and have more physical energy, let's begin with this question, and again this is on your outline, how should I think about my body? And here's why that question is important, because we can have some unhealthy attitudes, and here's one unhealthy attitude, the idea of rejecting our bodies. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, God, I think you made a mistake. You, you, God, you gave me the wrong body. I mean, I should have been taller, I should have been shorter, I should have been heavier, I should have been lighter. God, what I really wanted was blonde hair and blue eyes. You made a mistake. I remember when I was a kid, um, a little boy growing up, I would look in the mirror and I would go to my mom and say, Hey, mom, do you think my ears are too big for the size of my head? And my mom would say, No, Dudley, your ears aren't too big. You just need to grow into them. Now, if you're a teen this morning, let me ask you this. Do you ever spend time in front of the mirror, concerned about the way you look? You know, looking for some more muscles or some more curves? Um, Let me give you some advice. Um, Before you conclude that God gave you the wrong body, hang on because God isn't finished with you yet. One unhealthy attitude we can have toward our body is to reject it. And here is another attitude that really is unhealthy, to try to perfect our bodies A couple of months ago, I was in South Carolina and I was in the grocery store and I was checking out and I was looking at the magazines there and you know, the covers of magazines can tell you a lot about the culture in a particular place and so I'm looking at the titles of these magazines. There's um, Field and Stream and NASCAR Racing and Guns and Ammo and some Home and Garden stuff and then just a few days ago, I was in Publix here and I'm looking at the magazines and they were totally different. And what I noticed is that so many of the magazines had the picture of a man or a woman's body. A perfect, beautiful body, and of course the caption was, you know, if you pick up this magazine and, and read what's inside it and actually do it, you too can have a perfect body. Now, it's good to be in shape, there's no doubt about that, but God never intended for us to worship our bodies, or the bodies of anybody else for that matter. Remember one time I was looking at this billboard, and it was on I-95, I think it was at Lantana, and it was a person sitting in a convertible BMW, and the title of the billboard said this, don't worship the sun, let the sun worship you. And I thought, wow, what a cultural statement. So one unhealthy attitude we can have has to do with perfecting our body, and here's the third, it's real simple, neglecting our body. This is a person who says, you know what, I'm gonna die anyway, Um, might as well enjoy myself, no need to really take care of my body. Now, in contrast, here are some healthy ways to think about your body. And here's the first, accept your body. Your body may not be perfect. In fact, that's certainly the case. Um, You may have some flaws with your body that you're not too happy about. But realize this, the body that God gave you is the one you need to accomplish his purpose for your life. Do you realize that? That is really important. The body God gave you is the one you need to accomplish his purpose for your life. Listen to these words from Psalm 139 where King David says this, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God has given you the body you have to accomplish his purpose for your life. And here's another healthy attitude about your body. Respect your body. There's so many verses in the Bible about respect. You know, wives are told to respect their husbands, and husbands are told to respect their wives, and we're told to respect those in positions of authority. Respect is a way of thinking about someone, and that way of thinking is reflected in how we treat that person. And that's true of our bodies as well. God wants us to think about our bodies in a certain way, and that thinking leads to how we treat our bodies. And we're going to look more at that in just a couple of minutes. But here's another healthy attitude, this important. Protect your body. You need to protect your body. When you got in the car this morning, before you pulled out of the driveway, you reached over and probably did what? Yeah, you put on your seatbelt. Why did you do that? To protect your body. If you go to the beach, what are some things you do to protect your body? Maybe you wear a hat or sunscreen. There are all kinds of ways that we can protect our body. When you go to the doctor for a checkup, if you decide, hey, I'm not going to abuse alcohol and drugs, those are all ways of protecting the one and only body that God has given you. And that brings us to this next question, why should I take care of my body? Now let me give you three really compelling reasons from God's word that we should take good care of our body. And here's the first, God made your body. God made your body. This is another verse. This is actually from the same Psalm, Psalm 139, where King David says, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe that one of the most compelling proofs for the existence of God is our body. Because when you think about it, our body is an artistic and engineering masterpiece and of course God wants you to take care of your body because He made it and He gave it to you. Now here's another reason to take care of your body. The second one is this, Jesus paid for your body. If you're a Christian this morning, this is such an important reality. Jesus Christ has paid for your body. Now let's say that you decide to sell your home and you're trying to determine the listing price. Let me ask you this, what determines the value of your home? It's this, how much somebody's willing to pay for it. That's the actual value of your home, what somebody is actually willing to pay for it. Now in the same way, what determines your value? It's what God the Father was willing to pay for you. And he paid an incredibly high price, the life of his one and only son. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is what the Bible says. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And we'll talk some more about that in just a few minutes. But let me give you another reason, reason number three, to take care of your body, and it's this. As a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in your body. And this is how that passage continues. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? There's a story about this little girl, and she goes to the pediatrician, and the doctor is trying to just alleviate some of her fears as he goes through the exam. So he looks in her ear and says, hey, is that, is that Cookie Monster in there? And then he looks in her other ear and says, hey, do I, do I hear Big Bird? And then he puts the stethoscope on her chest and says, is that Barney? And the little girl says, no doctor, Jesus is in my heart. Barney's on my underwear. (laughs) That's a profound truth. Jesus really is in this incredible way living in us. That's what the Bible says. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And it's really pretty straightforward. If God's gonna live in your body, he wants you to do what? Take care of your body because it belongs to him. It's the place where he has chosen to live. And of course, there are all kinds of practical benefits to taking care of your body. You'll feel better, you'll have more energy, and you'll probably live longer. And that reminds me of another story about this, this woman who died. And she goes to heaven and d- discovers that heaven is far more beautiful than she ever imagined. And months later, when her grouchy husband arrives, she says, Honey, this, this place is really beautiful, isn't it? And he says, Well, yeah, but if it weren't for your stupid oat bran diet, we would have gotten here six years ago. God wants us to take good care of our bodies. And church, as I was working on the message this week, I decided that I wanted to address what I believe is a very important question. And and this is a question that we could spend um, a lot of time on, but I wanna deal with it briefly this morning because it's where we live. And this is the question, what should I believe about illness and healing? Uh, We were talking um, this morning about the fact that so many of the prayer requests that we get on Sunday mornings have to do with health issues. And I know that many of you are dealing with, with those kinds of issues, either personally or there's somebody in your family, somebody you love who's dealing with a health issue. And let me just say a couple of things. First of all, I've been asked this question, you know, why do people get sick? Why do people die? And the reality is that we live in a broken, fallen world. If you read the story in the Bible, you understand that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, That was when sin and death and disease and suffering entered our world. And so we're born into a broken, fallen world. And that is a foundational reason that we deal with things like illness and disease. And secondly, and this is in regard to healing, there are those in the Christian community who teach that if you just have enough faith, God will always heal you. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody about that just a few days ago. Now here's a problem, a very serious problem with that kind of teaching. We know that there are places in the Bible that God does not choose to heal people, even people who have great faith. And one of the classic examples of this is the Apostle Paul. Paul obviously has great faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul has this physical problem, he calls it a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that Paul wrote this to believers And he says this, this is such an important passage, he says, three times, three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Essentially, God said, no. Paul, I'm not gonna take away this thorn in the flesh. And this is Paul's response. Therefore, because God will give me this grace, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, what should we believe about illness and healing? Look at your outline. One one statement, God heals according to his sovereign purpose and plan. That's what the scripture teaches, that God heals according to his sovereign purpose and plan. And let me do this. Let me just walk through very quickly different kinds of healing That God uses to accomplish His purpose and plan. The first is what you might call natural healing. Anybody ever cut their finger? I mean, we all have, right? Isn't it amazing to see the body heal itself? It's remarkable. And that's because God built those mechanisms into our bodies because, after all, how long was your body originally created to last? Forever. And some of those mechanisms are still operative in our body, so we have this natural healing that takes place. Here's another kind of healing. Supernatural healing. Now certainly we read about supernatural healing in the Bible, Jesus supernaturally heals all kinds of people and here's what's going on and this is really important to understand. Jesus is showing people what the future kingdom of God is going to look like when it comes in all of its fullness. It's almost like the future kingdom of God has broken into the present. And we see that because Jesus heals the blind and heals the crippled because in the kingdom of God, people aren't blind. In the kingdom of God that is coming someday, people don't get sick and they don't die, which is what Jesus is proving when he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. This is what the kingdom is going to be and and look like. And so Jesus gives us that foreshadowing of what's to come, but here's the reality. God still, this very day, is able to heal people supernaturally. God can do that. We know that there are people in our church family that God has chosen to heal supernaturally. We've seen that. I've seen that in my own family. I've seen God intervene in a situation and heal someone supernaturally. He can do that if He chooses, if that's His purpose and plan. And here's another way that God heals God heals through medical intervention. I mean, there is an incredible amount of of knowledge and skill resident within the medical community. And God can use skilled physicians. God can use treatment and and medication to bring about healing in our bodies. And there's a fourth kind of healing. And you might call it ultimate healing. And that's when God takes somebody home to heal them. Regardless of the kind of healing that God gives us, this is very important to remember, that God is always present with us And that God will give us his grace and his power to meet the physical challenges that he is going to allow to come into our lives. And that brings us to this last question this morning. This is on your outline. How can I take care of my body? And these are just some very straightforward and practical things. And the first is this, eat strategically. Now you're probably wondering, well, what does that mean, eat strategically? Well, let me ask you this. What do you call a a strategic eating plan? Four letters, starts with a D and ends with a T. Yeah, diet, which stands for, did I eat that? I read that this week. And, you know, obviously there's all kinds of diets that, that, you know, we can go on. And and there's some diets that are squarely based on Scripture. Um, The Daniel plan is one that, you know, Rick Warren has has published. But here's, here's something I want you to understand. God wants us to enjoy the things that he's provided for us, and that includes food. Check out this verse. This is from the book of Ecclesiastes, a man could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? You know, I'm really thankful that God has given us a lot of different kinds of food to eat. Isn't that great? We don't just have one thing to eat. And that's great, unless you're maybe a teenage boy and you like to eat pizza for every meal. But, um, that's an important biblical principle that God's created food for us to enjoy. And here's another simple biblical principle about diet that God wants us to eat in moderation. We should not eat too little and we should not eat too much. Now here's another way to take care of your body. Rest adequately. Rest adequately. This is from Psalm 127. It says this, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he, that is God, grants sleep to those he loves. Over the last 100 years in our nation, the average amount of time that people sleep has decreased by 20%. Pretty remarkable. And and the simple fact is that we need to get adequate rest in order to care for our bodies and to be able to meet the challenges of life's demands. Now, here's another way to take care of your body. Exercise regularly. Now, I want to show you a verse. This is actually a verse that was written by Paul to his... Um, protege Timothy. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, many of you know what he did um, for his day job. He was a tent maker. And Paul would often take those tents and sell them at athletic venues because there were all these athletic games that would take place around the Roman Empire. And so Paul often would see these athletes training for their events. And he said this to Timothy. This is an interesting statement. He says, for physical training is of some value. And there's no doubt about that. There's physical benefits to us when we exercise regularly. Now here's another way to take care of your body. Follow God's code for sexual conduct. Follow God's code for sexual conduct. In fact, that verse that we looked at earlier about your body being a temple, the context for that verse has to do with the immorality of the people who lived in the city of Corinth. And Paul says this in another passage. This is in the book of 1 Thessalonians. He says, God wants you to be holy, so you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion as the pagans do, in their ignorance of God and his ways. Now, this is no news flash, but we certainly live in a culture that's saturated with sex, and our kids are being exposed to sexual issues and sexual temptations like never before. Listen to this story. Now that his son had turned 13, the father decided that he should discuss those matters that an adolescent boy ought to know about sex. So he called his son into his study, shut the door behind him and said, Son, I would like to discuss the topic of sex with you. Sure, Dad, his son replied. What do you want to know? It's a sign of the times. And it's very, it's very interesting that there's a book in particular, a book of the Bible that is written to teenagers and primarily to teenage boys. It's a book of Proverbs. Now, that's a part of the Bible that's called Wisdom Literature. And the reason that it was directed to young men is that there was this sense that young boys growing up, the young men who would take on leadership roles in the nation of Israel needed to be wise. And one of the key topics dealt with in the book of Proverbs is handling sexual temptation. Now, of course, we all know where the battle against temptation is won, not just against sexual temptation, but any temptation. It's when we're lost in our mind. And that's why God says, hey, if you want to protect your body, what do you have to protect first? Your mind. And that's, that's really a question for all of us. What are we doing to protect our minds when it comes to sexual temptation so that we can protect our bodies and church, let me say this as well, because I know that this is an issue that touches um, so many people, so many families. The gospel reminds us that there is grace for our failure. Aren't you glad that there is grace for our failure? But the gospel reminds us of something else, that there is power for our victory over temptation. And I hope that encourages every one of you this morning. And here's the final, final action that we can take to care for our body, take care of unfinished business. Take care of unfinished business. Look at this verse in Proverbs. It says this, a heart at peace gives life to the what? To the body. So what happens to your body when your heart's not at peace? Well, there's all kinds of physical symptoms that happen when when we're not at peace, when we have emotional stress in our lives. King David, at one point in his life, had some unfinished business he had this guilt that was literally killing him. And this is what he says in Psalm 32. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, and he's talking to God here. God, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. And he's talking about weak physically. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and God, you forgave me, and now all my guilt is gone. Now David's heart was set at peace. Maybe this morning there's something that you need to confess so that your heart can be at peace. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive so that your heart can be at peace. Maybe there's a personal issue or a financial issue or something else that you need to take care of so that your heart can be at peace and friends let me say this this message this morning is not primarily about you know physical fitness or having a lot of physical energy this message is about one of the core principles one of the core realities of christianity and it is simply this if you're a follower of jesus christ god wants you to honor him with your body and that's so important for us cuz everybody has what everybody has a body now One of the things I was thinking about this week is the question, and we've addressed it in some respects, why should I honor God with my body? Let me give you a foundational reason, because Jesus did. Jesus always honored his Father in heaven with his body. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus could never have accomplished his purpose without his what? Without his body. Now, I want you to think about this, and and especially if you're here this morning and you're somebody who really, is seeking to know the truth about Christianity, the truth about Jesus, the truth about God and how you can have a relationship with him, I wanna ask you this question. What is going to happen to your body? What is going to happen to your body someday? I was reminded of this the other day. I went to the refrigerator. Have you ever done this? Have you ever reached into the refrigerator and gotten something and you're not sure if it's good or not, like orange juice? What do you do? What do you check? It's usually printed right there on the container. What's it called? The expiration date, right? That's when that is gonna expire and you do not wanna put it in your body. Now think about this. Every single one of us has an expiration date. It's not stamped anywhere on us, there's no label, but I know that I have an expiration date. And if Jesus doesn't come back to this world before my expiration date, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna take my last breath. I will breathe one final time. And the question is, well, what happens then? Now, the Bible is clear. The Apostle Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Bible is clear, we have a soul, we have a spirit that is connected to our body and at the moment of death, our spirit, our soul is released. And the Bible talks about two destinations for our soul. One is a really good place. What is that place? What's the name of that really good place? And what's the name of the really bad place? It's kind of simple, isn't it? And here's the deal. I know that there's a lot of discussion and controversy, even within Christian communities, about this doctrine of hell. And there are all kinds of questions surrounding that. But I know this. I know that Jesus Christ talked clearly about a place called heaven and he talked clearly about a place called hell. And here's the reality. When we die, our spirit is going to be in one of those two places, but that is not the end of the story. In fact, that's not the end of your body because the scripture says that Jesus is what? Coming back one day and when he does, the Bible says that everybody is going to get a new body. There's gonna be a resurrection of every person who's ever lived and in that body you will spend eternity in one of those two locations. So what really determines your eternal location, your eternal destiny is this, think about this. It's what you believe about Jesus and his body. Now, this morning, we're celebrating communion. And there's a classic statement that Jesus makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this. He says, this is my what? My body, which is broken for you. And see, that's that's pivotal in the story of redemption because if you think about it, where does the story really begin for us? It begins when Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit come up with a rescue plan. In eternity past, God knows that there's going to be a need to rescue the people that he loves. And so Jesus volunteers to come to our world in some event called the incarnation. And what happens in the incarnation? What does Jesus take on? A body. And in that body, he carries out the mission that his father has given him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is really fascinating. When you're in pain, has anybody ever had physical pain? Okay, we all have, right? Does Jesus understand what that feels like? Yeah, absolutely. He understands what it's like to have physical pain. How many of you have ever faced temptation? We all have. Has Jesus faced temptation? I mean, especially when you think about sexual temptation. Did Jesus face sexual temptation? The Bible says yes, he was tempted in every way just like we are, but he never stepped over the line. He never violated God's commands or God's will. Jesus lived a perfect life that we could never live. And this is what qualified him to be our substitute. That's why Jesus could say, this is my body broken for you. Because I fulfilled the will of my Father and I have voluntarily taken your place. And that's what happens on the cross. When Jesus allows himself to be arrested, when Jesus allows his body to be beaten and bruised and broken, it's because he loves us with this incredible love. And on the cross, because of God, the Father's great love for us, he's willing to do this. He's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And what happens to Jesus on that cross? He dies. His body dies. Why? Because his spirit leaves his body. You know how Jesus cries on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my what? My spirit. And Jesus dies. But that's not the end of his body, is it? Because three days later, according to the scripture and according to hundreds of eyewitnesses in the first century, Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead in a new body that has new characteristics. And Jesus promises us that if we will trust him, if we will give him our hearts and our lives, we're gonna get a new what? A new body, are you glad? Man, my earth suit's got some issues. Okay, I'm delighted, I'm overjoyed that one day I'm gonna get a new body. In church, as we celebrate communion this morning, it's an opportunity not just to look back and say, Jesus, thank you that you've died for me. Thank you that you came back to life. Thank you for, for giving me this new life. It's a chance to look down the road to the future and to realize this, to realize this, that the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to redeem Our hearts and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to redeem our minds and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to redeem our bodies and because of that church we can live with hope let's pray father I thank you for this hope that you give us that comes through the gospel Father, we thank you for Jesus and his incredible love. We thank you that he sacrificed himself so that we could live. And God, I pray this morning that as we remember Jesus, as we look back and as we look ahead, that God, you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us hope for all the challenges in our lives today. And we pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.